Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. N.K. Jemison is a book about coming of age and a protagonist who shapes her own power and destiny. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And today we're discussing The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms by N.K. Jemison. For our factions, we have Yin Dar. We have the Aramiri. There are several of them. We have Dakarta, Rilad, Shimina, Varane, Tavril, Kenneth, and Ygreth. Then for gods and godlings, we have Intempus, Nahadoth, Enepha, and Sia. For the minor character spotlight, we are bundling together a couple of characters going from the least dramatic to the most dramatic, uh, dramatic and traumatic, um, depictions of enslavement and various forms of constraint in a negative context. Not all of these are technically (laughs) enslavement, but they're on the same scale and they all are distressing and traumatic. And so I would go as far as to say maybe they are because every maybe. Well, uh, I, I think I think it depends on whether you consider the the family as government owning everyone on their little right because if they're because they family, do. <laughs> then a lot of families demand things out of family members that they wouldn't demand out of other people and if you look at them as the government yeah it's enslavement no question but that's the thing is I don't I don't think it's I don't think you can separate the two I think the family is the government. And higher-ranking members of the family have enslaved the lower-ranking members and treat them as property. Well, okay, then everybody on this scale is in some kind of enslavement. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think it really is. Because the way, it, the way that it is portrayed in the text, there is no such thing as saying no if someone has oh, a, yeah. a higher-rank tattoo than yours. And the people that have full circles do whatever they want with whoever they want 
and treat everyone else as an object created to serve them. Like, that is how they act. And we do learn that even the people who are in the family but are not called to Sky, that's part of a strategy in order to keep generating more members of the family who can be called to Sky. So, yeah. Okay. I agree with your assessment that everybody on this spectrum is in some type of enslavement. So, our first person, the only one whom I considered potentially not to be enslaved, though I have been convinced, <laughs> is Tavril. Tavril Yeah, because he cannot is... leave and he has no free will. <laughs> like, yeah. for his whole entire life. Yeah. I mean, he has... Fr- he can decide to do something that would make them mad and they kill him. Uh, so in that sense, uh, he has... Yeah, okay, he- sure. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, but that has not... Yeah, but that's uh, not... In a philosophical sense, he has free will. In a practical sense, it doesn't feel like it. Any any uh, slave throughout history has the free will to do something they're not allowed to do and get killed for it, though, Robin. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah, Like, yeah. that doesn't <laughs> mean anything. Sorry. Listening to too many philosophy things, you said free will, and I was like, ah, you mean no good options. And I will heartily agree he has no good options. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tavril, he has to work for the family. He has a lot of responsibility, but not very much power. So he has some power over people who are not, who have a lesser blood scale level than he does. And there's some, like, squishiness on exactly what they mean by full blood, because our main character is canonically half-blood. Like, unless the family gets very incestuous, even full-blood people usually are gonna be half-blood, so it's more like a... It's more a... I think it's a ruling... Recognition. This is where we get into the whole the family is the government thing. Um, and, 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 you know, we have not, you know, as much... I would love to. I'd I'd love to hear the ins and outs of exactly how this is uh yeah like functions just even more details on the books give us but the way it, it seems to be that the f- the blood that the 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 genetic code the blood that you get by by being born with this the family genetics the family line uh is what gets you into the family but the how much how much related <laughs> like what whether you're half blood or full blood or or what degree what partial you get is maybe a little bit d- indicated by who you're actually related to um but really practically it's who is in power when you are given the tattoo that signifies your rank yeah and like, you mean like a it's, it's a, a literal it's a literal magical tattoo foreheads. yeah so, like, yeah, if you have somebody who is the lowest rank of, like, an eighth or or whatever, I don't, we don't actually know what the, the lowest partial is that they, they have. But, you know, if that person has a child, chances are that that child will get that same rank or lower, but that's not guaranteed. Right. Um, so, and, and our main character is canonically the grandchild of the current ruler. So it would make sense that... Her crescent is, you know, like logically it would make sense it's either a quarter or lower or, you know, not 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 ruling out 
uh, marrying into the family, so to speak. Um, and she would at least be half or lower, except that when she didn't have a, a crest or she didn't have a tattoo when she was born or when she was little, we don't know exactly when kids get them. Um, and so her her grandfather, who is the ruler, said, "We're going to give you a full blood crescent." now as an adult so it's very much it's very much a position it's very much a choice on the on behalf of who is in charge yeah and we're talking about like bloods and levels and things and (laughs) i want to be clear relating to real world stuff this is neither blood quantum nor is it the one drop rule no but some things in this book might be uncomfortable for people who have trauma related to either of those two things. But mm-hmm. it's also a, a fictional magical <laughs> exploration within this family where they have this weird set of rules where if you Actually, have one drop, we will control you. But if you don't have enough, you don't get power. Yeah, you and can't control so others. This, yeah, yeah, so it's actually this bizarre combination of both of those, some elements of both of those real world ideas in one thing. And it's a very interesting, like, setup as a story to read. But just in case anyone has, like, stuff related to that, this description, all these levels and percentages that we're talking about, and the way the book talks about it it could be uncomfortable. So I just want to mention that. Actually, there's a lot of this discussion. So it's, it's not really, it's really kind of interesting that these books have those themes um, Mm -hmm. because the little bit that um, I actually did look up this author when we were looking, when we found this series and the little bit we know of NK Jemison just off of her like Wikipedia page. She's an American author. She's an American author of color. And, uh, She's she has worked as a psychologist, a counseling psychologist, and part of her like there's just an overall theme according to the wiki of cultural conflict and oppression in her in her books. So she has she's an American author of color who works as a psychologist. <laughs> it's and so the fact that she put like this fu- this intricate interesting take on blending those two things into her the setup and the structure of this this series um it's just really cool i think and i think it definitely like makes sense that it would be like those two things are something she would pull on and also like the way she uses them like just the the fact that you know she's she's worked as a counseling psychologist it it makes sense that like it it I don't know. It makes reading it makes reading book one make a lot of sense because it's kind of like, oh, that's why you're that's why you're able to like explore this weird, cool twist on this thing and how it oh, would yeah. affect people, and it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 really well put together, and if I didn't, it it doesn't read like oh, we're gonna critique these two systems, oh, but no. also no. it definitely feels like you could completely use this in ex- as an example of critiquing those other systems. It's Oh, I wasn't anyway. trying to say that it was crit- it was, not it was the other like, systems. I'm just, I just think it's really interesting that the it's way that It's informed by? Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. it, it not- it's not directly those two things. Yeah. But it's a very cool, very interesting 
setup. Um, yeah. Oh, and also, there's... I, I do want to point out, because we're talking about, like, like half-blood and full-blood and, like, marrying... What if you married someone else in the family? And, like, this this family, as the government, is kind of, sh- like, hinted and they don't they don't give you, like, a population count. But everyone who lives and works in this giant floating city called Sky is family. There are yep. probably hundreds or thousands of family members. Like, we're not looking at it, we're not looking at you would have to commit incest to marry into the family. Like the family oh, no. is the city. <laughs> like yeah. and everyone in it. So And as I mentioned previously, like we are told that they have lower members of the family elsewhere so that they can marry and like bring in fresh blood mm-hmm. from outside mm-hmm. and like have you know more more variants <laughs> um so this topic is so we've talked about some of the structure that makes this enslavement happen but i want to make sure we get to talk about a couple of the particular people so we've talked about Trevero. He has the very basic level of he's part of this family and can't not be. Uh, Then we have a duo. Uh, I'm okay with either talking about them separately or as a duo. We have Naha and Nahadoth. I think we should talk about them as a duo because uh, literally you can't talk about one without the other. Yeah. So Naha is the human body in which Nahadoth, the god, is constrained. So, but Naha has separate consciousness. He has separate wants, desires, everything, except he is the flesh prison for a god, which means he's humiliated and tortured for things that almost all of the time he didn't do. Like, even even if it's like, oh, we're doing something to you because you talked back or did this. Well, maybe he talked back because he feels really terrible because he's the flesh prison for a god. Like, everything comes back to he's being hurt because he is someone else's prison. And he also lives in terror of waking up and finding bodies around him. Not as an, And not in the abstract, just no. it has happened before and he lives in terror of it happening again. Mm-hmm. And then we have Nahadoth, who is the god who was constrained by his brother god in Tempest, and he's trapped in flesh. He can be hurt, but he won't die. And he is both completely able to kill all of them and magically constrained from hurting any of them, unless one of them tells them to kill them. So... The part with these two that's important to enslavement, other than just their identities, yes, is that both of them are magically constrained to obey anything that a member of the family tells them to do. And now, much like uh, uh, genie mythos, um, or gin mythos, uh, or fey mythos a little bit, if you As kind this of- This reminded me- there's a, this- Reminds me of the face so much. This whole book. There's there's a very there's a very uh, literal component here where if you tell them to do something, they are perfectly fee- free to misconstrue the intent of your order and 
do what they really want to do if they can find a way to make it fit the letter of what you say. Um, but within literal restrictions, they they have to do what they are told by members of the family, high or low. And if they're given contrary orders or contracting, contra- contradicting orders, um, then the person who is of a higher higher rank uh, is the one who kind of kind of is gets followed. And there's at least one very memorable time where this happens, where Yin asked Nahadoth to do something, and he says, "I can't. It would go against this order." Yeah. Um, this order from Dakarta, mm-hmm. who is over everything. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's their. They they have a. I mean, everybody is. Well, I guess I guess some other members of the family are are not magically enslaved necessarily, but like these guys are magically enslaved. Yeah, they're magically enslaved, and I just the way they have to obey like everybody, unless it contradicts someone else's orders it's really interesting because i'm trying to think it's one of those like i don't know how much their ability to want to do something else is constrained because like i don't i don't know there isn't enough here to make it super clear one way or the other like we mostly get language when some constraints are lifted of um, them, you know, Nahadoth being able to, like, be fully himself again that, like, implies maybe that there might have been some, like, limited ability to want to be uh, otherwise. But I, I don't know. I It's not nearly as clear know. as it was with a character like, say, Mogget from the Old Kingdom. There it was extremely clear. But I don't know. I I hope we get more as this series goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just sorry. I just started wondering about that <laughs> because when we talk about we talk about enslavement, we in, in with other books we've talked about uh, mental manipulation and like altered states of mind as forms of trauma and control. And I would be surprised if that isn't at play here mm, but yeah. if it is it's not it's not explicit and so we can't really like we just don't know yet we'll we find don't out know. <laughs> yeah but in terms of mental stuff that definitely is a constraint here nahadoth appears to be able to remember all 24 hours of the day and naha only knows what's happening when he is when the human bit is awake. He doesn't know what's happening at night when Nahadoth is in charge. Mm-hmm. And so that, that it's not quite an altered cognition. It's more like, more like he's, well, he describes it as just being asleep. He's just, yeah. he's just magically asleep when Nahadoth is out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, Nahadoth is definitely the, like, the one of the two of them that is in charge. Like, when he is awake, he is mm-hmm. the one who's, like, in charge of their body and doing things, and um, and Naha is is definitely the afterthought. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot so. of 
people treating him like he is Nahadoth. Yeah. Kind of. Because it, it was really confusing earlier in the book, for me at least, where I was like, what's going on? Didn't understand the flesh prison thing. And I was like, why is he only powerful as soon as it's dark? And if that's the case, why are you torturing him until literally sundown? That doesn't seem <laughs> smart. Yeah, that there's... seems like a terrible plan. <laughs> uh, and then and then it made sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Last enslavement bit. We have nameless guy in a pit. Um... <sighs> Somehow we left this as, not somehow, I understand why I picked this, that we have this as the most, the most traumatic in terms of the depiction in the book Mm -hmm. um, of these minor characters with enslavement. And I want to, I want to say the description that's from the book of what's going on with this guy. Uh, The state that I'm about to describe is the result after he was used for an evening's entertainment by... Uh, the arm Mary at a party take a human being twist and stretch his limbs like clay add new limbs designed for God's know what purpose bring some of his innards out of his body yet leave them all working seal up his mouth and sky father God of all gods and the worst was this I could still see intelligence and awareness in the distorted eyes they had not even allowed him the escape of insanity so yeah this person was he was trapped base there's magical shenanigans going on where they need him to die in order for this thing this magical stone to be moved but in the meantime while he's waiting in a pit to be killed later that week why not just torture him at this party by taking his organs out of his body, but not letting him die. And then he's also constrained such that if he doesn't do the thing they want him to do, then his lover will share his fate. And I don't know if that means die, or if that (laughs) means have all the limb and organ stretching stuff happen. And I don't think it matters which one of the two other than one of them makes me more squeamish, squeamish, and the other one just makes me sad. I mean, not not spoilers, not sharing what his fate eventually is. Um, mm-hmm. but I I really think it's just if he won't do the thing, if he doesn't survive to do the thing they need, then she will. I think that's I, I think I, that's what it means. Now, not to say they won't I'm torture her for was- fun, but I don't think it's like I don't think it's necessarily. I'd assumed it was a woman and they looked at the text and it doesn't actually say the gender of the lover. Um, but oh, don't know either way. Yeah, I didn't, I, I I didn't th- remember because you had said wife earlier. Oh, yeah. No, I, I thought it had said something more gendered and then it, it doesn't. Uh, so, but either way, uh, <laughs> it would not be good for his lover. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot more details about Nameless Pit Guy other than this is kind of sort of the upper bounds of how torturous and terrible the enslavement is within this system and within this city where someone is already slated to die and just for kicks at a party, they 
do this to him. On to Yin and ostracization and isolation. Uh, the way that Yin was ostracized growing up in Dar made her way more sensitive to it in Sky. Yeah, she has a, a history, and she kind of, she doesn't really go into a lot of detail, but she she kind of picks isolated incidents of places where she felt like she had to prove herself more than anybody else. Even and even when she was in things like um, the whatever the program was where there were she was training to be a warrior, she always felt like she had to be better, do better, be stronger. <laughs> faster you know than than her her compatriots in order to to kind of be enough um and there and it, there's this one moment where um she was actually she actually didn't follow through on what was the custom in um in dar and she kind of, you get a very much of like a feel of a book where like the fact that she didn't do that was something that she never really, like it, 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 it really mattered, and it wasn't just a choice she was making. It was definitely something that made her feel like, well, you know, maybe I didn't do this right. Um, and that was the coming of age challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it was weird reading that section because it was like, like she was very clearly thought that her choice was the right one. But she also talks about how it made her kind of separate from from the group in a weird way. Like, they couldn't say she didn't do enough, but they also didn't like what she did. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, there's a lot of stuff about her not being enough for her grandmother. Like, never feeling like she could do enough to be Dar enough. And we actually find out that right when she was born, a whole whole bunch of people were murdered by Nahadoth. Yeah. Um, and it was basically like anybody who was trying to get information or would have reported back to her grandmother. So she didn't know about this until um, partway through this book when she's an adult. But definitely uh, her... I I'm not surprised that her grandmother was suspicious <laughs> was very, very suspicious of her when she lost, like, a large, at least a significant portion of her household was just murdered right as her granddaughter is born. Like, that's gotta make it, that's gotta make your feelings complicated, at even at let, alo <laughs> let alone that her her mother is Aramari instead of Dar. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a weird thing. Especially, there's kind of, like, hints of her just, like... I mean, she kind of talks about, um, like, the Automary being very, like, pale, pale-skinned, and Dar being very, very dark. I like your pronunciation better. That was... Can you say that again? I'm trying to get Automary? Automary. Yeah, that feels much better. Mine's <laughs> then <not> what? What? <laughs> A Romary? Mm, no, oh, no, no. no. Ar Ar Aramary is much better. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> talked before about how you and I pronounce names in books incredibly, like, 
differently. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. topic one, I just tried not to say their name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Arm- Armory uh, is an, uh, an interesting take, though. Alright. Um, honestly, I don't know that I've much else with that one. Well, also, like, she, there's this weird way where she's trying to, like, cling to her identity as Dar. Like, even in, like, the the end notes for the book, it lists her name as Yin Dar. Like, she, she desperately yeah. is clinging to this identity, even though growing up, everyone around her didn't want her to have it. Uh, and then... Yeah. And the, uh, and then when she actually goes to Sky, it, yeah, you know, feels like that means she didn't belong there. And then pivoting to her place in, in Sky, they they don't want her there either. Like, she, she thinks that she's there to be the heir. And then almost immediately finds out that, no, she's one of three. And then pretty soon after that figures out that not only is she one of three, they don't intend her to be a serious contender. And in a way, I feel like that might have been a little bit easier because there in Sky, she doesn't have to, like, she does worry about it, but in ways that are more related to her her relationship with her mom, like she, oh, talk about that in a second but yeah well in our um, next topic yeah our next topic we'll talk about that with her mother more but here in dar it seemed like she thought that maybe something was someday going to be enough yeah in sky she doesn't really have that illusion she kind of knows that she she has a very very brief window where she thinks that maybe she's going to be accepted and it pretty quickly pivots to no, this is a nest of vipers. Yeah. They don't like and she me. Talks they about, don't want me here. She talks about too how um she's kind of feeling like um being sent to Sky and, and everyone in Dar kind of going, Oh good, you're that's where you belong, kinda of like, of course you are. You're going you know, that kind of Right, of course you're leaving. Of course you were you're never leaving. One of you us. weren't you you were only kind of here. <laughs> um very much mm-hmm. feels like a nail in the coffin of like any hope that she was really wanted. And and there's a couple of scenes um in the book where she actually, you know, the the you know, the the one time she does go back to Dar where she's really treated as a stranger. And she has mm-hmm. to kind of she kind of calls them out on that and is like, "Hey, what are like why are you talking to me that way? Like I I fought next to you. I served next to you. I was literally part of your group." why are you doing this to me? And then they do like this almost very exaggerated, like, Oh yeah, of course it's you. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just, she's just very cut off and alone in this entire book. And also with the armor, our Mary, like everybody in sky wants something from her, but you can't trust that anyone actually cares about her. And when, as she's like forming these bonds and she's, getting in a little bit. She's getting in mostly with the Enifada. And mm-hmm. she spends several days of her last week alive recovering from having been needed uh, for the Enifada and just 
various other things, mostly the Anifada. But even then, there's this, like, she really has to, like, decide that she's going to, she's just going to trust. She's just going to say, okay, if they don't actually care about me, there isn't really anything I can do about it. So I'm just going to act like maybe they actually do and go from there. Because also she's starting to care about them too. And like talking about ostracization, but she really is starting to feel like maybe she belongs, but it's got this weird clicking talk, (laughs) clicking, ticking clock, because this is her, her last like week alive. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's her last week alive because eventually she realizes she was only even invited back to Sky as a sacrifice. So not only is she, it's got this, like that kind of completes this weird journey of thinking she's there as it, discovering she's just one of several. Then she just thinks she's the, um, like the underdog, but she's got a chance. And then it's like, oh no, they just they just brought like, me back to no, kill me. You That's were, it. You were just here because we we needed no someone. We needed someone dispensable. But yeah, yeah, it's it's just really it, honestly. So here's the thing, and we'll talk about this more in the wrap up. Like, it's as a reader, I didn't feel like I was cut off and alone with her. Mm-hmm. But it's very much of a journey of her being just kind of all by herself all the time and figuring out how to how to try and live and survive with that. Um, and it like it was it was really interesting because like a lot of books that I read that the main character, you know, that's a that's a big thing that they go through is, is feeling like they're they're cut off and alone. The author the authors generally, and at least in the books that I've had experience with, generally do that by making the reader feel very alone. And this book does a really good job of the character being all alone, and you know they're all alone, but you as a reader are not. Well, this didn't feel lonely. This felt like this felt like reading about this like super cool place and really, really interesting people. Yeah. It was not a lonely reading experience. No, not at all. Um, but it, but um, it, I think that is worth noting just because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's different and it's, it was, I think it was done really, really well. Um, yeah. Moving on to Yin and the atmosphere of cruelty, specifically in Sky. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that keeps happening throughout this book, it's like, ever like tell like a, like a, have you ever been around people who will tell like a, like a really weird joke just to watch you kind of be horrified? Like, I know, I know you have, I know we're related to someone who does this. Uh, <laughs> um, but listeners, you know how sometimes people will tell jokes and they're just watching to see you just kind of get grossed out or squirm and they're, they're like, what? I'm just like this. You're the one who's weird. Um, that's that's happening in Sky. Uh, except it's like 
what? You don't like murder? <laughs> you're so how, that's, how, how you're could so you? squeamish. How is that? Not <laughs> no, you gotta like do like a murder, like you know. Oh no! Don't get your hands dirty. Like tell somebody else to do it. It's much. It's much funny. It's much better that way. Okay. Yeah. But as to what's like specifically in the book, um, like the way she, we talked about exactly who Naha is and his relationship to Nahadoth uh, in segment one, and Yin gets introduced to Naha, and kind of have him like sicked on her right as he's about to turn into Nahadoth, and. At this point in the book, Nahadoth is murderous thing. Don't be out after dark or he'll kill you. We can't control him. <laughs> We've also been kind of torturing him all day long. So he will be upset and he will murder you. <laughs> like this uh, will happen. Go run. Like literally run. Like, and, and that's... That's kind of like the start of this. Um, it ends up positive because she ends up like getting her in with Nahadoth and all the Enifada, but it was intended to scare her at minimum and possibly kill her as a bonus. Um, it's it's hard to know whether um, uh, Shamina wanted her to die. At this point, because it's not like she would have had permission from Descartes to kill Yin. But we also don't know that she wasn't hoping for that. It's like, that's a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. Um, And then we also told you who the pit guy is uh, (laughs) in topic one. Uh, In case you skipped that topic, um, the pit guy is in a pit with his organs on his outside and limbs rearranged and extra limbs and he's still alive and he is waiting to get to die basically and when Varane shows her the pit guy like there's several like moments where Gein like is Like, she knows something terrible is in the pit, and she doesn't want to look, and she's kind of avoiding looking. And isn't there a bit where Varane, like, says... Doesn't he call her out on avoiding it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, He does. He does a couple different times. I don't remember the exact wording. Um, Look, it it had the feeling of, like, why aren't you looking? You should be strong enough to handle this. Something. Yeah, he he calls her out on it. He basically calls her out for being squeamish. And her, her, like, internal monologue response is something along the lines of, I'm, but he, like, I'm trying to respect him by protecting the little dignity he has left. Mm -hmm. And Varane's just like, like, Varane's whole commentary is basically like, ha ha ha, look at him and laugh. And like you know, you're you're not even as strong as your mother. Your mother would have done this herself. And like Yin is just like, no, I'm trying to like not shame him more. And this is that like, happens a couple times. And in that moment, his current condition is actually kind of the aftermath of a party that Yin had been warned away away from by Tavril because. Yeah. Um, he basically told her he wouldn't want to be around them. And I agree with Tavril. Uh, that was <laughs> terrible. Um, 
it but she doesn't escape getting to see this just because she avoided the entertainment and the actual moment also i use the word entertainment because he was the entertainment at the part at least part of the entertainment at the party um yeah um so with them kind of horrifying her on purpose and then saying ah you're squeamish that means you're weak she eventually kind of turns this around on Dakarta when she accuses him of killing his wife, which uh, he did. He inst- <laughs> she in- was right. Yeah. yeah, she she was right. Uh, his wife filled the role that Yin is being asked to fill this time around, um, which involves dying. And yeah. he was kind of just like speechless and affronted that she would bring this up to him um and it there's this kind of like it ends up being like a more powerful moment but it's on the heels of her like just having all this just really really horrific stuff throughout the book yeah there's like a there's a real thread here of just um like other people being very amused and and making really belittling, degrading comments about her not being cruel <laughs> and just not understanding why she's not cruel to other people intentionally. And not even like in, she's intentionally not cruel. Like she's just not like this and they don't get it. Um, they also bring up her, her mom a lot. Um, like, so the fact that her mom married someone not from Sky, married not someone not of the Ottomary, um, is like a big point of contention like there with just her identity and, and how she's treated. Um, and it's it's kind of a big deal here because her own memories of her mom are very much of someone who kind of instilled in her the values that she has of being kind and being like being respectful and being, you know, and, and, and fighting for everyone and caring about the, the lowest of, of society and, you know, things that are, that are cruel being, being mitigated in some way. And it's, it's kind of funky with the little bit we learn about Dar society too, where there's some like things where they're, they're very much, it very much reads as her having instilled values from her mom. And then she's compared to her mom and, every comparison that they bring up in sky just doesn't even match with how her mom was in her memory um you know she's she's told she's not a full automatic she's not cruel enough she's not calculating enough and then she's you know told well oh your your mother would have killed them without a second glance like, your mom would have helped me with this torture, and you can't even look at it. Like, there's this very, like, it's this really weird setup where she just, she's she's traumatized by the, the things that she's being told that should be part of her. And it's kind of a double, a double hit when she's being told, like, you know, the person that you thought the best of in your life would have done all of these atrocities and more. And you can't even look. It's a very, very, it's a very, very, um, the thing is, like, it's not gaslighting. It's that it's, these people just have a different 
view of her mother than she did. Well, but it, it very much adds partly, to the trauma. It's probably at least partly that, like, since it's been so long since they've seen her, they have, like, a rose-colored glasses, like, nostalgia view, except they are so cruel that their nostalgia view is, like, your mother was never weak. Oh, I honestly fully believe it's not rose-colored glasses. I think her mom was that person. No, 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 I just... They having it be not that she was that, but that she was never kind. Like oh, they just weren't. It just wasn't. I'm sure all of the cruelty was there. Yeah, saying that she was never anything else. Yeah, that it's harder to trust because like they are not reliable narrators. Yeah, they're very self interested. I. I think that they're probably like 80 to 90% trustworthy, but when it's something like, and you know what, your mom would have helped me torture that puppy. It's like, you know what, slow down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be clear, they didn't uh, say specifically about puppies, but like there's a point at which <laughs> no, like, yeah. it has kind of that vibe. Yeah. Where it's like, she would have been so cruel and... <laughs> Uh, like even even the bit where um he sorry he is Varane um when Varane says that uh her mother was so subtle with insults that you wouldn't realize that she'd insulted you until hours later and <laughs> uh Ian says well <laughs> my mom <laughs> the mom I knew didn't really have to insult people what do you do uh <laughs> I really yeah. That was that a really moment. good. That was that was one of my favorites too. Actually, <laughs> she's just like, ooh, <laughs> that says something about you. Actually, just yeah. very funny. On to the wrap up and ratings for the gratuity rating for enslavement. I actually had, think severe. We had several different examples and we kind of ramped them up. And I think we should judge this topic by the most severe example that we discussed. I honestly think even our more like, quote unquote, benign or mild or whatever you want to call them examples were still pretty severe. I don't actually think we oh, have a non-severe example on here. So I don't think it matters <laughs> which one we use. So... Do you think that they're severe or do you think they rise to the level of torture porn? I think literal torture porn, actually. Oh, okay. All right. I think that is a literal actual thing in here. No, that's true. No, that's actually what's happening. Uh, I wasn't thinking of it like that because a lot of it is off screen, but there's just enough of it on screen to, yep, that's what's happening. Um, So, yes, uh, that literally is in this book. Um, not expecting, uh, well, I wasn't thinking of that. Okay, for the ostracization, best, best word to say. So <laughs> good This is Robin's word. favorite word, this episode. It's not, it's not. Ostracization. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, I think I vote moderate? Yeah, like, it's In this there, depiction. it's a lot... <clears throat> Actually, no. Yeah. Like, I'm, the thing I'm, is... I'm in between severe but treated with care and moderate 
Um, I, I have a couple of ideas that would have made it severe. Um, oh. that didn't okay. happen. Like, okay. she was, she was able to go talk to people almost whenever she wanted. There was one person who kept, like, ducking her visits for a bit. But it, it wasn't like she couldn't go talk that's, to people. That's true. She wasn't being, like, bullied out of anything. She wasn't physically isolated. They just had structural things that meant she wasn't going to get a foothold in Sky. And the potential whatever level of ostracization happened when she was growing up in Dar, we didn't have it on screen. And so I think this ends up being moderate with a lot implied as backstory. Okay. So you can picture whatever level in the background you think maybe happened. Yeah. But we don't have it in front of us. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's the kind of thing where, like, me filling in the gaps. But that's the whole point, is that I have to fill in those gaps. They're right. not explicitly laid out in the text. Okay. So, alright. So, moderate um, backstory. Okay. Yep. Cool. Uh, atmosphere and- of cruelty. I think this is severe at the least. Yeah, I think this is severe. I think that we can't double count the same event for both <laughs> enslavement and cruelty as torture porn. I That's, think it yeah. is more relevant. I was it's wondering more what relevant you- <laughs> as enslavement. Yeah, I was um, wondering what you would say about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, severe it is. Um, all right. Uh, slavery. Uh, integral, interchangeable, irrelevant. It is integral. It's literally the plot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the plot. Um, you could have ditched some of the mortal elements of it. Yeah, but that. But as the a as a theme, are enslaved is the point of the entire story. It's the setup for their entire like functional existence. Yeah. Yeah. Or the um, ostracization. I think that's also it's either integral or interchangeable because it sets up like I her think as it's a interchangeable person. because they didn't have to freeze her out and like that's part of like the way we said that this was moderate. I think yeah, those are tied together. Um, almost all of this could have been the same without her being freezed out, being frozen out. Um. But, like, something is going on here. It didn't have to be, nah, we didn't want you. <laughs> uh, the cruelty, I think it is integral. Because it's part of what pushes a lot of motivations. Mm. Like, if they weren't cruel the gods might not have been making the moves they were. Or we might have seen the gods as bad for making the moves they are. (laughs) Which would have changed the plot significantly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's room to fiddle with details. But it is integral to the plot that they are. 
Yeah, because that that atmosphere of cruelty is really, really just setting up the society. It's not necessarily like the plot could have existed independently. The plot could exist in a slightly different city or different setup. Oh, is this your argument for interchangeable? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Forgot to say that part. <laughs> okay. Because I said integral, and then you said we could have done something different. Okay. So, I just... I, okay. I, I'm, I'm almost... Oh, that's where I'm like... Because they could have kept them enslaved without the blatant rev- reveling in hurting. Okay. Like, that could have been... Like, there's there's countless stories that exist that are like that, where some especially magical deity or being is enslaved in a magical sense, but no one is like, uh, our first series, our first series that we were, that we put up as an episode in the old kingdom. Oh yeah. Mogget was enslaved. Mogget was not harmed by most of the people that we saw on screen ever. Right. But that didn't make him not a slave. But right. no one and was torturing Mocket. <laughs> and it doesn't stop slavery as a thing from being cruel. But right. in terms of right. this atmosphere of cruelty. Right. Where no one is safe. Yep. God or no. Slave or no. Yes. That, very, very different things. That's different from it being a cruel institution. Okay. Makes and, sense. And the plot itself does not hinge upon this cruelty. It's just yeah. a thing that is here in in this story um it, it's done really well but it's a it's a separate thing um all right treated with care you know weirdly the, enough i think the slavery is yeah um most which is of the wild comes, to say yeah most of the horror comes from understanding that slavery at all is a cruel thing. Yeah. This. And like we were talking about with like the, like the atmosphere, like our third topic being separate. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think we can, again, like we're not relating, linking these two things. I think this absolutely was treated with care, which it, so, that's wild, but I, I really think it keeping was. Keeping in mind. Oh, I guess even with the pit guy. Yeah. That's not this. Well, no, no, no. The pit guy is an example of enslavement. But I'm saying, like, that's the where thing we that- put him. We, we discussed hmm. him under enslavement, and that's true. So I, the so for me, the question would be: Is the pit guy situation treated with care? Because that's gonna be the barometer here. And I think that I think tips it to I think, enough care. I think yeah, I think it's enough in that case. Only because also enough, so the, the author also went enough, out of her way to make his specific um, things be like un like you cannot do that to a living human being in real life, um, which I think kicks it over to the like suspension of belief, where it's it's enough care because even if you can kind of a little bit like get an a mental image for that scene. The fact that it's in a book and the fact that it is something that is not physically possible to do to, to-, to torture a real life person, like you have to 
Like, it's very easy to kind of go, I can't picture that. <laughs> and there's enough and I think paragraphs that was intentional. beforehand. There's enough paragraphs beforehand of, are you going to see? No, I don't want to see. Are you going to see? No, I don't want to see. That, like, you could decide, you know what? I'm not going to read this paragraph. Like, there's enough leading up to it. Um, yeah. That it, it, it lets you know something bad is coming. And I think that part of that is yeah. how it's enough care. I, yeah, I agree. I think there's a, I think there's definitely a, a mix of that plus the, that, like I said, like kind of that magical, like it's only possible because magic. And, and also like the details that are given in the description are pretty graphic, but they're not, like the language used is pretty bare bones. It's definitely like almost like a bullet point description. It's not this like, artistic word picture <laughs> it's the minimum needed to convey the horror of the image yeah yeah and then it doesn't keep rehashing it yes so that's enough care the ostracization i think that was treated with care i think yeah i, I kind of said a little bit of this early like in the actual topic too but like this when you read it like the ostracization is there but you as a reader like me as a reader at no point did i feel like i was being shut out which is a big part of this one so it's like as far as like a reader experience like you can feel and relate to her without it feeling painful like there are books that try to convey the feeling of loneliness this this does you not. know what's happening but this isn't it isn't that yeah. For cruelty. Uh, I... no. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, intentionally no, I would say. Yeah, it's weird. The cruelty is the point here. Um, yeah, it's not treated with care. It's not trying to be. If it were treated with care then that would make it harder. It would feel a little... It would feel like gaslighting the reader, I think, for this topic to have been treated with care. Because if they say, these people are terrible, and then we, we don't see it, we don't get any descriptions, it's just like, <laughs> do we know? And it would, be, it would have a very different feel. And it would make us think different things about everyone's motivations if we never actually saw it. Yeah, I think that um, was definitely necessary to make it be a thing. But, I mean, it, it's it's weird because this, I think this is our first one that's like this abstract. Like, it's, we, we literally describe this as an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's very hard to do an atmosphere in a book without actually creating the atmosphere. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like you can't you can't describe an atmosphere. You have to you have to show it, not tell it. And that's done very, very well, but it definitely pushes this into not treated with care. Now that the main trio of our ratings is set, I realize that we have torture porn treated with care and severe not enough care. So I just want to check in and make sure that we like those ratings. Oh I think I know I think those are accurate. Okay. All right. I, I think that's that's why I was saying like this is wild, but I think that that's actually accurate. Um, 
given how we've treated these matrices before. Yes. Yeah, like, no, this metrics is, before. This is correct. This is, this is accurate. Yeah. This is ridiculous. But yeah. this is accurate. <laughs> um, Point of view. Yen. Yep, it's just uh, Yen. Well, okay, for the for these traumas as we're discussing them, yeah, it's Yen. Um, there's some interstitial, interstitial narration shenanigans. Where, but that's a spoiler, and we're not going to talk about that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, other just than saying. the interstitial shenanigans, it's Yen for the whole book. Yeah. She's our, our point of view forever. We need to do some more rotating point of views. I know I've said that like, that, like, the last several episodes. Well, uh, we will. <laughs> we will get point. there. Eventually. Yeah. Um, Alright. The aspiring writer tip. Uh, I just really want to highlight, I think how much we have a topic that is literal descriptive torture porn that was treated with enough care. And we've used the phrase torture porn in a non-sexual context, or like that's how we've set up this writing. Yeah, but this is literal torture porn. Yes. Like, not... That is not a, a hyperbole or a metaphor nope. or a, that's a literal, actual torture pornography scene in this book. And this topic was treated with care. Yeah. Like, um, I, especially since enough of what would make it that for the character right in front of it. Like, it's not, it's not. It's not sexy, it's not titillating, no. but you know it was for one of the people in the scene, and that's why we're saying that it kind of literally is that in the book. Yeah, no, it is It is set up to be torturous, but it's also, yes. like, there's so much of a... I don't, I don't know how to put this into it. I feel like the more we review these and the more that we find books that have mild torches uh mild topics that are treated with no care and are really awful to read and then we find like severe topics that are treated with so much care that it's like nothing to read about but it's definitely not glossed over it's just not painful like the more the more that we come across these like the more i really feel that any time I've ever seen an author, I mean, like, the, this is my opinion anyway. It's not like my opinion is changing. It's just reinforcing this for me. Anytime we see an author who's like, oh, well, you know, for realism's sake, I had to make this painful. Or I couldn't talk about that because it would hurt. <laughs> like, like, these are... There's ways around it. There's yeah. ways around it. And, like, maybe, you know, that person isn't a good enough author to do that good a job. <laughs> uh, maybe you're just not good at this yet. <laughs> That's a possibility. Which means write more and practice. Which means write more. <laughs> yeah, it means, it means don't, it means don't pretend that you somehow can't. Like, I mean, and we're not reading. I mean, some of, some of the books we've read have been not fun but like a lot of these books are just they're they have all these things in them and they're really good books and they're really fun reads 
including this one. And I don't know. I I love this one. I'm so glad we picked this. Neither of us had read it before. No. And I am loving this series so much. So granted, we're we're only we've only published at this point 18 episodes as of today while we're recording this in on March or on uh April 13th, 2020. Well, Pablo doesn't have the 18th episode yet, but yeah. But we have we have put it up into the cloud. It is done. Yeah, it is yeah. complete. Um we've only published 18 episodes. A lot of those are books that I've read before. But of the books that we have read or looked at or um just like researched um, of all of the things that we've looked at that I've never read before, this is the first series that I didn't already know about that I want to buy and own. Mm-hmm. This is the first new one that I'm like, I need this. Good. <laughs> this is very well done. Excellent. Some more gushing about how well N.K. Jemison did than an actual writer tip, but that's fine. Case, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. We <laughs> really liked how this was done here. Um, Favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Uh, <laughs> I really like the the setup for the different gods. Oh yeah, um, and also, so this is and the, this book very much has like a pantheon of gods, so to speak, kind of a little bit. Um, but this, uh, let me say this: if N.K. Jemison is pulling from an existing pantheon it's not one of the ones that i hear about all the time it's not the stereotype that is greek roman and a little bit norse and also that like it's very it's very different it's very at least in my experience unique and it was really cool and i liked reading about the different dynamics and the different things that they were in charge of and how those and seeing how those things kind of manifested in their personalities it wasn't just like you're a superhero and these are your godly powers and here's your dominion it was very much like a no you react and act and talk and move and be this way because this is who you are and it it was just really cool to read and in general i like reading about pantheon of gods that are done interestingly like that but this was not the same one that i that permeates earth (laughs) so yeah that was cool i love the depiction of sien sien is so great um i really really like the ambiguity on whether He's like this because he has embraced childhood in his aspect or whether childhood was a fitting aspect because he's already like this. (laughs) Yeah. I like that ambiguity. It's really well handled. I tend to interpret it being more the first one. Like he already trended in this way, but at whatever point he had to pick he really just went for it rather than it picking him. That's how I feel about it. But um, I would totally see the point of anyone who wanted to argue in the different direction or have a slightly different like breakdown of it. I just really, really love him as a character. And 
the way his relationship is with Yin is really cool and really interesting. And yeah, I I liked having an intimate non-sexual relationship portrayed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was that was really really cool. Oh, can I throw in with that one? Sure. An intimate non-sexual relationship that was treated as on par with potential sexual ones. Yes. As in, in terms not of lesser and emotional not, time. Like not lesser, not beneath, not like settling somehow just just as important. And yeah, it was that was cool. And the book takes the time to untangle those. Yes. Because Yin doesn't realize that that's really the kind of relationship that Sien is trying to have. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes the time to let you know, no, he's not trying to be sexual. Mm-hmm. Which, as I said, his he's embraced childhood, so that would have been creepy. So no, yeah. he's explicitly not. And then, not that I'm a... Not that I want polyamory to be jealous or something, but no. given their situation, the way in which the jealousy is portrayed treats these relationships as having, as yeah, as you said, as being on the same plane and and like equivalent contenders for Yin's time and attention. <sighs> love this trilogy halfway through. I love the series so far partway through book two really looking forward to uh next episode and getting to finish the book in order to do the next episode thank you so much for joining us we'll catch you in a fortnight All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at bookstatburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash bookstatburn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.